How are we, church? Good, mate. It's great to see you. Uh, let me just get myself comfortable for a moment. Oh, yeah, communion maybe from the other week. Okay, I've got to wipe that later. Um, is everyone going well? You know, uh, the other uh, day I was um, realizing that, um, you know, winter is beginning to lose its sting, you know, and daylight savings is coming. You know that feeling? Your, your body kind of knows. You suddenly think something's different about this evening. I was just like, hallelujah, summer, spring, all the good things are coming in Jesus' name. Hey, uh, well, it's, it's great to see you this morning. If you are new, welcome. If you are just an existing, not just, but if you're an existing member of this church, it's great to have you come along and yeah, just. Um, it's great to have you come along and, and honestly, it's, it's always an honor to bring the word and to you know, be with you uh, as we continue on our journey, uh, learning and growing together in Jesus Christ, right? This is all about us coming together and yeah, what a special place it is to be. Um, I want to speak today on a subject um, I've entitled, the, well, the sermon I've entitled is uh, The Fear of Men. And, and another way of putting it would be, you know, our propensity to want to please men. You know, um, it's something that I've definitely in my life dealt with. And I want to focus on it today because I believe God has some amazing truths in His Bible to help us, you know, to understand what's where we need to be in this matter as far as pleasing men is concerned. But let me just pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord God, that there was such a rich sense of your presence in worship, Lord. Such a beautiful place just to be able to uh, worship you, Lord God, to be grateful to you, Lord. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that now you would help me bring the word. I just pray that hearts would be receptive and you would speak, Lord. We want you to speak. We want you to minister to people's hearts, Lord. We want to make sure, Lord God, that every time we speak in this church, it is, uh, it's in tune with what you're saying, Holy Spirit, to your body, to your, to your church. So I pray that that would happen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, The Fear of Men. Let me start by maybe talking about what do we fear of men? What actually is it that we fear of men? Well, it could be the fear of reject, rejection. Maybe once rejected, we hesitate to embrace relationships. If you've ever been stung before, you avoid wanting to be stung again. And the fear of embracing relationships can be a factor. The fear of loneliness, maybe. The fear of being exposed. I'm afraid to open up in case my trust is betrayed again. Has anyone's trust ever been betrayed when you've opened up, apart from me? <laughs> yeah, thank you. There's a couple. The fear of being exposed. The fear of being misunderstood. You know, you justify everything you say and everything you do, because God forbid somebody doesn't understand where you are coming from, right? The thought of somebody thinking, what did he mean by that? The fear of not being, of being understood properly. The fear of hurt or disappointment. That's a factor. The fear of being disrespected. 
depending on what culture you're, you know, a part of. I know that the, the Polish culture is very much about, you know, respect and, and the fear of being disrespected is something that can be a factor for some of us. The fear of disapproval. You know, I was actually speaking to a, a, um, a, a student at the school and they were talking about, you know, how, you know how, how hard it was when COVID happened, right? And they were like suddenly gone from being in the classroom to all their socializing being on, on social media. And some, sometimes the negativity of social media right and and of of appearing a certain way you know there's a lot of uh people that are you know not liking your comments or you know they disapprove what you say and she was just talking about how difficult it was to navigate that time when that was her opportunity to be with people and yet you know the fear of not fitting in or the the, the fear of not being approved by others can also be something that is a burden for some I know, you know, the filters on uh, Instagram, people work very hard at portraying themselves in a certain way. How do I appear before men? Because the thought of being disapproved can be a real weight and a real fear factor for many. I, you know, for somebody not to like me or to think that I'm what I, sh- what I hope they think I am, is a factor at times. What about the fear of disapproval from family? You know, I know many years ago, my wife and I made a decision. This was like before kids. No, we had two children at the time, Joseph and Isaac. But we made a decision to uh, leave my, my father's church at the time and to go to uh, Joe's father's church and I just remember the fear that I had of approaching my father, family. Approaching him was like the thought of not having his approval was like paralyzing me. It was like, you know, I believe it's the right thing for us to do, but how could I, how can I do it? Because if I do it, he's not going to approve me. And the very thought of that was for me, it was paralyzing. It was like, it it troubled me. I lost my peace. I lost my sleep even, thinking about that conversation. How is it going to go down? And it wasn't pleasant. (laughs) But the, the factor of being afraid of approval from family, perhaps. I even thought about as a new pastor, being afraid of being liked by the congregation. Imagine that, right? Coming to Canberra, you know, giving up our, our life in Penrith, and then the, the fear of, but what if people don't like us? Or what if people don't agree with, with decisions that we believe we should make in the church? The fear of that. It's funny because whether you've been a Christian for a short period of time or a long period of time, the factor of fearing man can always be something that arises in our life. Family is always family, right? It doesn't matter if 
it was family when you were under the roof of your father or now when you've got kids, it's still, oh, I don't want to get the disapproval of family. What about the fear of not belonging? I don't belong. And the fear of that causes me a lot of worry and stress. The fear of lacking recognition. So, to begin with, what does the Bible say about fearing men? Because it happens, right? We fear men at times. But what does the Bible say about it? Because it's important to understand and to learn what the Lord says about the fear of men. It says in Proverbs 29.25, it says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, you might be curious about the picture. <laughs> it's a weird picture to, be, uh, to come up with the scripture. What's, what's the, why is there a bull with a hook? Because the actual snare, the fear of the man brings a snare. The actual meaning of the snare is a noose for catching animals. This is, this is the description of this, this word, a noose for catching animals, a hook for the nose, right? A nose ring is inserted into the nose of an animal. Nose rings are used to control bulls and occasionally cows. Isn't it a crazy description that the fear of man is almost as if we put a hook in our nose and we are pulled in the direction depending on what will please men. Um, now I'm this way and now it's being pulled this way. And as long as man is pleased, that's okay. I'm going in the direction of pleasing man. Crazy description, right? And it's quite shocking when we realize that maybe in life, including myself, I'm talking to myself, right? It's as if we have a hook in our nose and we're being controlled by the thoughts and the worries of making sure that others are okay with us. Proverbs 29, 25 from the message says, the fear of human, uh, human opinion disables. It disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. I was thinking about disables. Disables what? What does it disable? Well, fearing man can disqualify us from fulfilling God's purpose. Right? I've seen it time and time again. Actually, let me read the scripture and then I'll... Because this is not a new situation that man faces. This is something that has been a factor ever since the Bible days. And it says in John 12, 42, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. I like how it kind of gives you the why and it makes me think and it can make us think why are we so obsessed at times 
of getting a man's approval and fearing what man would say or think about us because it can challenge us this last bit of the scripture but for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God and you know back to my point fearing man can disqualify us from fulfilling God's purpose we have seen that in today's day and age right you got Great men of God with great influence succumb to the pressure of pleasing man versus pleasing God. And we see compromise, don't we? You see it and you're like, why don't you just say what the Word of God says? Because the glory of man has exalted itself in our life over the glory of God. And... As I said, this is, I'm preaching to myself, Lord, when are the moments in my life that I'm really focusing on the glory of man rather than the glory of God? So why do we fear men? Why do we fear men? And this is just a couple of thoughts to provoke our thoughts as we hear God's word and as it begins to minister to our hearts. Why do we fear men? We might believe man is the means to satisfy our needs and desires. We might believe that man has what will satisfy my needs and my desires. But contrary to that, I love what God's word says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is the source of my life. I shall not want needs, desires, not man, in God. They are met in God. Maybe we believe man is the source to solving or creating our problems. Maybe maybe that's a factor. I love what Romans 8.28 says. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Even in the challenges... When we are in God, or it says to those who are called according to his purpose, all things work for good to those who are those who love God. So even in the challenges, God, when we are submitted to God, he can turn what was difficult for good. Why do we fear men? Maybe we are preoccupied with what man can do to us above what God can do to us. Maybe that's a factor. And the Bible says this, Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I like how it's a very clear challenge for us. Don't fear man. Fear God. Because man is limited in what they can do to us. God is not. And God's a good God. When it says, you know, but fear God, who can destroy both our body and our soul in hell. But then we've got to remind ourselves that thank God that we have a good God. And he is, He's a God that we can trust. And that's what the second part of that proverb 29, 25 says. You're safe when you trust in God. 
Lastly, last little thought to think about. Maybe we lack a genuine love for God. Maybe. 1 John 4, 18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. And I'm thinking about torment. I'm thinking about even the revolving thoughts of what do they think about me? Am I approved? Am I good enough? The, 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 the circulation of thoughts can be quite tormenting at times. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So how do I grow and develop that perfect love that casts out fear? How? Because I want to know. Because at times I revert to the fear of man. How do I grow and develop that love that drives, that casts out all fear? Because I want to overcome the fear of man. The Bible says it in that passage. We love him because he first loved us and a couple of weeks ago i spoke on developing a habit of dwelling in the secret place of the most high and we read from psalm 91 and i'll just just the first part of it says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him i will trust he who dwells, we spoke about dwells. Dwells is not casually visit. Dwells is not, you know, on the way to work, a quick prayer. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying those who dwell, dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, David, King David was a man who dwelt in the presence of God. He made a habit of it. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that we can kind of uh, look at in the Bible as an example. Yeah. Somebody who dwelt in the presence of God. He made God his refuge and fortress while being surrounded by enemies on every side. Yeah. Now, when I'm talking about enemies, I'm not talking about just disapproval. <laughs> the enemies of our world that put us down or make us feel lower. I'm talking about real enemies with spears. And with swords and with, you know, the absolute goal to kill David. <laughs> but he made God his refuge and fortress while being surrounded by enemies on every side. He wrote a psalm that has ministered to me on many occasions, on so many occasions that we're going to go there this morning. And I, I'm going to just allow the Lord's word to minister unto you. When I read through this psalm, the psalm wasn't written before I go there. The psalm wasn't written from a place of head knowledge, but rather from a place of revelation. Yeah. From a place of coming to the dwelling place and finding security. Finding what you can't find in men. Yeah. Yeah. Finding a safe place that only belongs to God. Having that hole, that God-shaped hole filled by only one, by God. 
This was a place not from that he wrote this psalm, not from head knowledge. Oh, yep, this is the theory. No, no, this was a place that he, he, he wrote this from a place of revelation while dwelling with the Lord, surrounded by enemies. I believe this psalm, church, can help us overcome the fear of men by hearing, by hearing, because faith comes by hearing, yeah. right? I believe this psalm can help us overcome the fear of man by hearing what God says about us, our identity, our worth. I'll read it in a moment, but the first six verses, right? In case you didn't understand how much God loves you, how much God is invested in you, this psalm brings that to life like nothing else. God knows. The first six verses talks about God knows our every thought, every word, and every move. Let me read Psalm 139, 1 to 6. And please, let this, let this, let this nourish your souls. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Wow. I'm talking about how do we overcome the fear of man. And I'm talking about the place that you can find absolute security, absolute peace, absolute safety, regardless of your enemies surrounding you, whether that be enemies that physically want to kill you or enemies that just want to backbite, gossip, Talk about you in the wrong way. Maybe the enemy is yourself. <laughs> Maybe it's your internal commentary. You're not good enough. You're not, you're worthless. You stuffed up again. How can anybody love you? Let this minister to your soul because fearing man comes from that place of not knowing his perfect love. And this psalm, like I said, it's illustrating his perfect Lord's love towards us that we can embrace in that dwelling place. The next ver few verses talk about God directs us no matter where we go. He directs us. He cares where we're at. And it says this, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, if I'm in the highs, you are there. If I make my bed in hell when I'm in the lows, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, that's a pretty isolated place, isn't it? If you've ever flown across, the, you know, from one country to the other, you look out of your little window and you see the water. It's a pretty lonely 
isolated place and I'm like praying, dear Lord, please let this aeroplane get to its destination in Jesus' name. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Think about anything else. Think about the nice green tree with apples. Don't think about the fact that you are so high above, above the air. And then if the, if the aeroplane went down and the water and it's cold and where would anybody say? Even in that place, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. Fearing man, but then coming to this place of revelation where you go, wow, God, you're right there. You're right with me. The next few verses talk about God knows no hopeless or helpless situation, situations. We at times might think this situation is hopeless or it's helpless. But with God, God knows no hopeless or helpless situations. It says in Psalm 139, 11 to 12, If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Wow. Even in that place of isolation and perhaps that isolation happened because of hurt and pain that you've experienced maybe you dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea figure to uh, you know uh, metaphorically speaking isolating yourself because in that place i'm not going to be hurt again even in that, in that place god is there with you we don't have to fear man the next few verses talk about this. God formed every complex detail of our bodies, minds, and spirits. And I love this because, you know, I, I was sharing that I was sharing, talking to that girl at the school. And when she talked to me about the, the difficulty it was to sometimes navigate negativity on social media. And um, yes, she knew that maybe she should just cut it off. But she didn't have this knowledge of God being somebody who's with her, right? She just has the need to get approval from men. And, and, and the disapproval, the worry of disapproval is a very frightening thing. But what I said to her, I said, she's doing an assignment. And I go, I've got a, I got a chapter for you of, uh, uh, that, that is, it has ministered to me on many occasions. The times that I have felt like my self-esteem was the lowest, right? The time I felt like, my self-worth was the lowest and people would put me down, laugh at me or whatever. I would run to this as my medication, <laughs> as my food. And it says this in Psalm 139, 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And it's funny because this passage, by the way, is what Anton mentioned this morning. So the Lord is speaking. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being yet unformed, and in your book, 
They were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Whenever you have a moment where we begin to elevate man's perspective, man's point of view on us as people, come back to what God says. Get your definition of who you are, your identity. Let it be formed by what God's word says and not what others say. Let us rid the need to please man. Let us overcome the fear of man by having a revelation of what God's word says. The next couple verses, God constantly thinks of us and is concerned with the details of our lives. And says this, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand when I wake, I am still with you. Is anybody feeling a sense of, God, you're magnificent. God, you're great. Embracing what you said can help me move forward, can help me be a confident human being, not by what others say, but by what you say, Lord. And let me finish on this one. The last couple verses, and I didn't finish the whole psalm. There's a a part there that I, I didn't go through. But this last part says, God searches our hearts and will purify our motives. What I love about God is, God disciplines those he loves. And God is a jealous God. And he wants your affection. And the fact that we have perhaps at times given over what belongs to God, we need to come to a place of repentance at different points of our life and say, God, forgive me for giving what belongs to you to others, right? Forgive me for giving my safety to others. If they like me, I'm safe. Forgive me, Lord, for grabbing others and asking them to do what only God can do. And God searches our hearts and He will purify our motives. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart, Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He loves you too much to leave you where you're at. And when we veer away, whether it be for the fear of man or for anything else for that matter, thank God that he's a loving father that looks on to his children and says, hey, like, you know, the, in, in Psalm 23, that, you know, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He pulls us back. You know what? The only hook that I want to have in my nose is one that God can pull on every now and again. The only hook that I want to have is, Lord, please pull on me, lead me, direct me wherever you need to. And when I'm walking astray and when I've given what belongs To you, to others, pull me back. Lead me in your way everlasting. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And he continues to work 
in us the miraculous of Jesus Christ becoming more and more real in us, forming us into who He wants us to be. Why don't we just close our eyes?